series on the fruit of the Spirit. We're kind of winding this down. Next week will be our last in the uh, series on the Holy Spirit. And so we've been studying uh, what it looks like for a follower of Jesus Christ. Once we've come to know Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And when we have this Holy Spirit dwelling within us, the Spirit of God, and let me remind you, the Bible says it like this, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same Spirit that, that empowers us, that indwells us. Amen? And so he says, with that same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you and I have that same Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God dwelling within us. And we have been studying what it looks like. What does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What is the fruit? What is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? And we're down to the last two fruit or fruits of the Spirit, if you will. In Galatians chapter 5, we'll start in verse 22. The Bible says this in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, here's what it looks like. It's love. It's joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Last week, Dan spoke on faithfulness. This week, we're going to look at this one. It's called gentleness, or it's also many times, and we'll speak about this in a moment, referred to as meekness. So meekness or gentleness. Next week, we'll finish with self-control. These two words seem to be very similar, but we're going to see that in their application, they're actually very different. So gentleness and self-control. Notice what he says. Against such there is no law. Meaning there's no spiritual law against these things. That, that Actually there's a blessing that God will bless you if you are walking in his spirit and you are manifesting these fruits. So we're going to spend a few moments today on looking on, at the subject of meekness or gentleness. What does that look like? But let's ask the Holy Spirit to bless his word. Lord, I pray that you bless just the few moments that we have together today in your word. Lord, I pray that as we follow Christ and as we allow, Lord, your spirit to move and work in our lives, that our lives will look more and more like Jesus Christ. As truly he was the greatest example of someone who lived and walked and and, and experienced being filled with the spirit in such a way that, that in everything that he did, He glorified you, Father. And so, Lord, I pray that that's our prayer, that that is our desire, is to bring honor and glory to you as we submit to the Holy Spirit moving and working in our lives. As we look at this this word, meekness or gentleness today, Lord, I pray that that you would truly, Lord, help us to be men and women of of meekness and to understand truly what, what the Bible explains and and teaches us about this. So bless your word. Help me today to communicate, Lord, um, an often difficult thing to do in the life of a Christian. It's hard. And I pray that you'd help me, Lord, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is the definition of meekness or gentleness? The word is interchangeable. You'll see it used a lot of times in the scripture. So there's meekness and gentleness. And I thought I'd read this for you. If you were to look at the original language, the original word, uh, the Greek language, the Greek word, it's preautos, if I'm even saying that correctly. Um, The honest truth is I knew a little Greek once. Um, He owned a restaurant, but he passed away a while back. 
But uh, anyway, that was a good one, right? That was a dad joke. You know, it's almost as good as the joke we heard in Sunday school today. Yes. Do you know what lights Noah had on the ark? You know what kind of lights he had? He had flood lights. See, mine was better, amen? Not bragging or anything. But what does this word mean? It's interesting because the word is translated in different versions regardless. All about basically the same thing. It's translated uh, as meekness and gentleness. It uses the words, other words that could be used are mildness, kindness. It says this, properly displaying the right blend. Listen to these words, displaying the right blend of force and reserve gentleness. Avoids unnecessary harshness, yet without compromising or being too slow to use necessary force. For the believer, meekness is a fruit or a product of the Holy Spirit. It is never something humanly accomplished or something that's simply biological. Meaning, some of us aren't born more meek than others. Or that person just, well, they just kind of, they've been born with it. Now, it's something that only the Holy Spirit can, can, can move and bring into our lives to be, to be meek or to be gentle. I've read that others have said things like this, that a good definition of, of meekness is making oneself small when he is really great. I think probably the best one that I've read and that I've heard is this. I, I like this definition of meekness. Because a lot of times when we think of meekness or gentleness, we immediately portray it as something as being weak. Or someone as being weak. Or that, they're, you know, that, 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 that meekness is equal to weakness. But that is not the case. Because in, in, it's actually the opposite. Someone said this, that meekness, that probably one of the greatest definitions of meekness is this. Strength under control. That you can have great strength, but it's under control. You know, I, I think maybe just an illustration would be something like this. You know, when you think about a horse, a powerful horse, they have great power, you know, and they're strong. But if it's not harnessed, and if there's not, you know, a lot of times that, that horse is not trained, or that there's the bit in the horse's mouth, and if that horse is not under control, then it can create a lot of havoc. Strength under control. I probably maybe have mentioned this story, maybe here, I don't know. But years ago, we went uh, camping. We went on a camping trip. And our family, whenever we go on a camping trip, first of all, first thing always would happen is it would rain every single day. And our tents would fill up with water and it was miserable. And so when we would go on vacation, you know, we were basically living like homeless people but calling it a vacation. Anyway... I don't understand that whole, you know, camping. You know, we're going to go camping. It's fun. I'm like, my wife will say that. Let's go camping. I'm like, so basically we're going to live like homeless people, but we're calling it fun. Is that really what that is? That's your definition. Now, if you love camping, God bless you. Uh, maybe it's more like glamping, okay? And I've seen how some of you camp as you pull up your RV and you have your refrigerators and the heaters and propane. And, you know, and basically it's like, you know, you just bring a portable house with you and you call that camping, all right? So don't, don't, don't hate too much. But we'd go camping and then we'd always, you know, my younger sister loved going horseback riding, so we'd go horseback riding. Long story short, 
My father would always get the horse that was just out of control, that no one, I don't know why, but he would get that horse, and I used to love it because I would watch my dad almost get bucked up. This one time, he got this most ornery, I mean, the horse was taking him off the trail, down into the field, and the guy was like, what are you doing? Get back up here. And he's like, I can't control this thing. And I, I hate to say it, but those times, like, I wish you'd just buck him off. I just want to see what happened, you know? And that horse was out of control. And it was honestly, at that point, not to sound harsher, but it was useless. It was out of control. So understand that meekness is, is not weakness, but it's strength under control. And there's a number of examples I just want to very quickly point out to you in Scripture. That there's a couple of examples. I think uh, one of the greatest is the example of Moses. And one reason why is because the Bible tells us that he was, at his time, the, the most meek man in all of the earth. Numbers chapter 12. Numbers 12, verses 1 through 15. We have it here. If you want to turn there, you can. But I want to read just a, a, a kind of a lengthy passage. But I want you to see, if you will, meekness on display. What does it look like to be meek? Moses, the prophet of God. Moses, the man of God. Moses, who God used to do tremendous miracles. Remember, even parting the Red Sea. He was used to part the Red Sea. And I want you to notice that this great man of God had meekness. And it's illustrated here in Numbers 12. It says this. It's interesting. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. Let me pause for a moment. Give you a little context. And just remind you of something here. Usually it will say, you'll see in another passage, it'll say Aaron and Miriam. This time it says that Miriam uh, Miriam and Aaron, now remember, these are the siblings. These are the siblings uh, of Moses. So there's going to be a little sibling fight here, a little sibling rivalry going on here. But it mentions Miriam first, and the reason why I believe this to be the case is because it was Miriam that stirred up Aaron... And then they both started to attack Moses, and they started to try to bring division with the people of God. So in this, in this passage, it's interesting, Miriam's name is mentioned first, I believe, because Miriam was the instigator. All right, She's the one who got Aaron worked up. And so then Aaron gets worked up, and there's going to be kind of this little family argument that leads into causing a lot of chaos, a lot of problems, and God's going to intervene. Interesting story here in the Old Testament when God is leading his people and getting ready to bring them to the promised land. But notice what happens. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite, some versions will say Ethiopian woman, basically married uh, someone from from Africa. All right? And so he, he marries her. And because of this marriage, they're upset. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses, notice this, was very, can you say the next word with me? Meek. He's very meek. More than than all the people who were on the face of the earth. This is what God said about Moses, that he was a meek man. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam, notice the order here. Moses and Aaron and Miriam, he says, come out, you three, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. This sounds like a father getting ready to have, you know, talk to his kids. You know, how many of you have ever had something like this? You know, you get in trouble. And my dad, you say that, you three boys, come here, I need to talk to you. And you're like, oh my goodness, you know, you're terrified. 
I mean, this is what the Lord does. God says, come out. Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. That was the tabernacle. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent. And he called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. So he says, you two step forward. So then they two, both of them, stepped forward. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. But not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all of my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth. And some versions will say face to face. Clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he departs. And when the cloud removed, notice what happens. From over the tent, behold, it's interesting. Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned towards Miriam, that's his sister, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. Notice the meekness, strength under control. How does Moses respond? And Moses cried to the Lord, so he prays to God. He says, oh God, please heal her, please. But the Lord said to Moses, if her father had spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? So he's still going to discipline her. He says, let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that she may be brought in again. And so Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out. Uh, on the march until Miriam was brought in again. Now, what would have happened to Miriam if Moses had not intervened on her behalf? She would have died a very slow, horrific death. She would have died of leprosy. Isn't it interesting, very quickly here, that Miriam is the one that, that God, that he, he gives this disease to? Let me just ask you this question. Why her? Because it was her that was stirring up these problems. And she brought Aaron into it. By the way, I would just always encourage everyone, be careful who you listen to. Amen. Be careful who you let stir you up. That's a whole other message, a whole other sermon. But, but can I tell you this? Miriam got Aaron all stirred up and almost got Aaron into a lot of trouble. And they began to question Moses. Are you the only prophet? Are you the only one? Doesn't God use us too? And who do you think that you are? And they're doing it in front of the congregation, in front of the people of God. And they're like, well, God can speak through us too. And in a long story short, this would have caused great division. And what Moses, what happens is they begin to question Moses. But the deep-rooted problem was this. They were just upset that they didn't like who Moses married. And so it became, this family feud becomes a big problem. And they begin to question Moses and who he is. And God comes and intervenes. But what we see is this, is that Moses was meek. Are you with me today? I wonder what, what some of us would have done. I wonder how some of us would have responded, you know, um, with this, and you're saying, well, that's because there were blood, and that's because of their family, and that was only because Moses loved his sister, and that's who, why he did that. 
Well, let's, let me take you to one more passage. It's just two chapters away, all right? Numbers chapter 14. It's just a couple chapters away. Numbers 14. What did the Bible say about Moses? That he was, he was what? What was the word we said? He was what? Meek. He was, in fact, the meekest man in all the earth. What does it look like to be meek? Numbers chapter 14. We're talking weeks, maybe months later. Notice what happens in Numbers 14. It's just a few months later. Remember the story of how Moses sends in the spies to spy out the land of Israel? Remember, he sends in 12 spies, right? Ten were bad and two were good. You guys remember that? I grew up hearing that song, you know? And they spied out the land for 40 days. We only remember the names of Joshua and Caleb because they were the two that said, we can go in, we can do it. But the people said, we can't. And there was 10 spies who came back and their their fear was contagious and it spread throughout the camp and they said, we're not going to be able to do this. We're not going to go into land. And Moses and Joshua and Caleb, they're trying to encourage God's people to go into the promised land. Let's see what happens. Then the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that 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 we have died in the land of Egypt? Or would that we have died in the wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become as prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to another, let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. That's a whole other story, but wow, that's not a good idea. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, they tear their clothes. And said to the congregation of people of Israel, the land which we pass through to spy it out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the uh, the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said, listen to what they said, to stone them with stones. Let's kill them. Kill Moses Kill Joshua and kill Caleb. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. By the way, the same place where he called just a few months back. Remember he called Moses and Miriam and Aaron and he said, hey, come here. I'm about to speak to you. Remember what happened there? Now the Lord's about to speak again. And the Lord said to Moses, listen to this dialogue. How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all of the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a greater greater and mightier than they. What he's saying is basically, I am going to wipe them out and I'm going to start over with you and your family. Now, I don't know. I'm just going to be honest. For Moses, because he had a rough job, he's probably in the back of his mind like, tempting. (laughs) Now, we laugh and we joke, 
But do you understand that these people were picking up stones and getting ready to kill Moses? They're getting ready to kill Joshua. They were getting ready to kill Caleb. Had God not intervened, most likely they would have stoned him and killed him. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. Are you guys with me? This is pretty intense, but God's going to intervene. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it. For you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, it is because the Lord was not able to bring his people into the land. And he swore to give them that, uh, that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now, please, let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, the Lord is slow to anger, strength under control. There's meekness. The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving in iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the, the uh, guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. And then the rest of the story is he says, I will pardon them, but only their children, 20 years of age and under, can go into the land. But what, what do we learn from this? That Moses, the Bible says, was a meek man. That the people who were ready to literally take his life, that they were going to kill him, that he goes and he stands before God and he begs literally for forgiveness for them and he begs and pleads for them and he asks God to pardon them. And he does. We see that God is a meek God. That he has great strength, yet it's under control. I think of a man by the name of David who was an illustration of meekness. You remember David who was anointed to be king? And remember, before he becomes king, King Saul becomes very jealous. He tries to have David killed. Numerous times he throws a spear at him. I think one of the greatest demonstrations of David having meekness is when he was in the cave. He's in a cave with his soldiers and he's hiding. The Bible says that Saul comes into that same cave. And Saul comes into that cave and most people believe he went in there to take a nap or to go in and fall asleep. And so he goes into the cave to take a nap. And while he's in there sleeping, the Bible says that David's mighty men were with David. And they said, this is your chance, David. Kill him. God has delivered him into your hand. Kill him. And David said, no, I will not lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. I, it, let, let God take care of King Saul. I'm not going to do this. But what, what David did is the Bible says that he took his, his sword, his knife, and he cut a piece of the robe of Saul. He cut just a piece of it. And later when Saul comes out of the cave and he begins to leave, David shall, uh, shouts out across the canyon, King Saul, King Saul. He says, why have you come out to come after me? Why are you trying to kill me? What have I done? I've been loyal. And, and, in, and, and Saul's angry and he looks across and sees David. And, and David said, I've done nothing. I've done nothing. I, 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 I have no desire to harm you. 
And then he takes the piece of his robe and he holds it up. And he says, King Saul, if I wanted to kill you, I could have killed you this day. The Bible says that even at that moment that David, he, he, he felt bad for the fact that he even cut a piece of his garment. David, the warrior. David, the man who killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. David, where the Bible says that he had slain his tens of thousands. David, who would go out and fight the Philistines and God would give great victory. David, who literally had killed tens of thousands in battle, had his enemy, if you will, Saul, laying right there asleep. And he had meekness, restraint. It was not that David was weak because David could have snuffed the life of Saul numerous times. But he was strong because he was gentle and he was meek. And he says, I will let God fight my enemies. I will let God fight my battles. There's no greater example in Scripture than that of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus himself speaking, he says, I am meek and lowly of heart. In Matthew 21, 5, as Jesus rides into the city of Jerusalem, it says this, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting on the colt, the foal of a donkey. There is no greater example or display of meekness than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Look at these words in Matthew 26, 53. Listen to these words. As Jesus is in the garden, and the soldiers come to take him, Peter takes out a sword and cuts off the ear of of, of Malchus. And Jesus picks up the ear and puts it on and heals him. And listen to what he says. Jesus says this, do you think, Peter, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send more than 12 legions of angels? 12 legions and angels. You know what a legion is? A legion was a a group of of Roman soldiers, 6,000 or more. Jesus was saying this, that I have at my disposal more than 72,000 angels. There was an old hymn that used to say something like, he could have called 10,000 angels. Their math was way off in that old hymn. Sorry. The Bible says Jesus said that he had more than, more than 72,000 thousand angels at his disposal and if you think that that wouldn't be enough let me tell you be more than enough in the old testament the bible tells us that one death angel went through the land of egypt and killed the firstborn even including the pharaoh's household there's another passage found in the chronicles and kings under king hezekiah That when he called out to God and asked for deliverance, I believe it was Sennacherib and his army, when they came up against him, that great general, and he thought that it was over, he calls out to God and asks for deliverance. And the Bible says that one angel, one angel slew 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one evening, in one night. That's one angel. Boy, you start doing the math there. If one angel could kill 185,000 soldiers, so you start taking 72 times whatever, that would be a job for David Osborne or someone like that who's good with numbers. (laughs) Senior, not junior. Amen. Yes, not junior. If you need life support, there you go. CPR, there you go. You need help with numbers, call David. Amen. 
We'll let him give us the tally later. But 185,000 times 72,000, listen to me, it's in the billions. That I do know. Jesus said, I could have called 72,000 angels at my disposal who would come and fight for me. But can I tell you something? Jesus is the greatest demonstration of, of meekness, strength under control. Jesus was not weak. Amen. He was strength under control. Jesus could have called these angels, yet the Bible says that he willingly went to the cross and he bled and he died for you and for me. Give him praise. Give him honor. Give him glory. Give him thanks. Amen. That is meekness. We see the example of meekness. Look at this the command for meekness. Colossians 3.12 says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What should we put on? This is a choice. If we're filled with the Spirit, we yield to the Spirit. We choose to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility. Do you see the word there? Meekness and patience. We're commanded as followers of Jesus Christ. What does it look like to be a Christian? A Christian is strength under control. Christian is to put on meekness. We're commanded in Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. The book of Ephesians tells us and commands us. He says, I therefore, Paul says, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you. He says, I urge you, I beg you to walk in a manner that's worthy. That's worthy of, uh, of the calling which you have been called. What does it look like to walk worthy of that calling? Notice what he says. He says this, humility and gentleness, that's meekness, meekness, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager, notice this, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. We are commanded as followers of Christ to put on meekness. We are commanded to walk worthy of this calling, to be called a Christian. What does it look like to be a Christian One of the things it looks like to be a Christian is to be meek. To be be walking in such a way we have strength under control. What are the rewards of meekness? Well, there in verse 3, the Bible tells us in Ephesians that it will bring unity and bring peace within the church. He's speaking to the church there. If we are walking in meekness, within the church, within the body, I will say it like this, let's broaden it, within our relationships, within our marriages, within our home, within our families, if we are walking in meekness, then it's strength under control. Meaning this, what does that look like? Meaning at times when we want to let someone have it, and maybe we have every right to let them have it, or maybe we have every right, if you will, in our own minds to retaliate, We exercise strength under control. I've been pastoring for 20 plus years now. When you've pastored in one church for over 16 years, you really get to know people. And boy, do you get to know people. And sometimes you really get to know people. You know, you always have a couple of those people, you know. And they're always the ones who do not walk in meekness and they actually brag about it, you know. 
And they'll be like, well, well, I just want you to know I'm the type of person that, well, if someone crosses me, I'm, I'm, just, I'm off with their head. I'm going to take them out. Someone, someone talks to me wrong, I'm going to let them have it. And man, whew, do they let them have it, you know what I mean? And what they don't realize is that's actually a sign of weakness, not strength. Are you with me? I'm going to let him have it. Well, my wife was wrong. Of course she was wrong. They're always wrong. <laughs> Please understand. I am joking. <laughs> my wife's right there. I'm in trouble when I get home. Man, the last time we got into it, it was so bad. It was so, I mean, it was so bad. My wife was down on all, four, on all fours. She was down on the floor, all fours. She was saying, come out from under the bed and fight like a man. (laughs) Now we laugh and we joke, but the fact of the matter is that, listen, our emotions can get the best of us, correct? Our emotions and what can happen. We say and we do things and we are not. Listen to me. It is a weakness when we allow ourselves to be out of control. Meekness is this. It's strength under control in how we respond to one another. Now, next week will be a whole other thing because oftentimes we think of that as self-control. But when you look at the scripture about self-control, that's about how we are able to live our lives in a sinful world. And how we respond to the pleasures of this world. But what's interesting is Paul addresses this first. And he says the first thing you need to do is you need to have your emotions under control. Because our emotions can get the best of us. And our emotions can begin to run wild. And that's why earlier in this passage in Galatians 5, he, he, he speaks of fits of rage and dissension. And he's, he speaks of anger and wrath and all of those things because Paul understood. He said, listen, if you're not walking in the spirit, your emotions are going to get the best of you. Are you with me, church? Somebody, somebody say yes so we can keep moving here. Our emotions can get the best of us. And when we allow our emotions to go crazy, understand this. Then we're going to say things that we're going to regret. We're going to say hurtful things. We're going to do hurtful things. And listen to me, Moses at that moment could have said, yes, God, just take him out. But he realized that that was not what was going to bring glory to God. Moses was a meek man. David was a meek man. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was the meekest man who walked the face of the earth. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that Jesus was meek, that he had this this strength, the one who created the universe, the one who spoke it all into existence, the the one who, who, who put everything we see out there, that same God, that same power, he willingly went to the cross. That meekness changed our eternal destiny. Are you with me? Amen. It changed our eternal destiny because of his meekness. Do you understand that when we act in meekness, that it has, I believe, eternal, eternal impact. And that's why he says, do not be led by your emotions. Do not allow your flesh In Galatians 5, as we were studying, he says, when your flesh gets carried away, this is what it looks like. And he gives us that list. He says, but when your 
allowing the Spirit to move and work in your life, you will have meekness. It will bring unity and bring peace to the body. In Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There's a great blessing. You see, meekness is not weakness. It's actually a demonstration of great strength. Strength under control. So meek is chic. Amen? It's in. Meekness is not weakness. Strength under control. What would it look like in our relationships? Let's just be honest. What would it look like in our relationships at work? In the church? You know, fill in the blank. At home, in the marriage. If we are truly allowing the Spirit to move in our lives and that we submit to the Holy Spirit that when our emotions begin to come up and creep up in our, and we want to just let them have it or we're going to just, you know, I'm going to teach them a lesson or I'm going to get my revenge and we say, no, 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 no. The Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. Be meek. Be meek. Strength under control. Wow, I think that we would look a whole lot more like Jesus. And isn't that what our goal is to be? More like Jesus and less and less like the rest of this world. Amen? I would say that it would bring honor and glory to the Father. And that's what our purpose here is, is to honor and glorify Him. And people will see the good works in us and bring glory to Him. May we be men and women that are demonstrating the filling of the Holy Spirit. May we be men and women filled with meekness. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we pray you'd bless your word this morning.